Hey guys, it's Connor, your podcast producer. This week on the Yellowbird Connect podcast, Kyle is talking to Steve Milo, the CEO and founder of V-Trips, one of the largest vacation rental and property management companies in the country. Steve shares a lot of really great information in this podcast with Kyle, but if you want to hear even more from him, make sure you come to our next Connect event on Thursday, July 11th. He's going to be on a Q&A panel talking about vacation rentals. You're not going to want to miss it. He's going to be answering all of your questions. We'll see you there. Have a great week. The main reason we started Connect is to give everyone the opportunity to do what I did. We wanted to be able to offer the real estate community, especially locally, something new, something that was fresh. And if we can help a couple people change their lives through this education. Just one person or two people come up to me saying, man, that was awesome. Like what you put on was great. And it'd be a huge win for everyone. you've gotten any value at all from this yellow bird podcast make sure to like subscribe and rate us on itunes hey what's up everybody this is kyle pasquitz uh owner of yellow bird home buyers i'm here today with a special guest steve milo who's the ceo of v trips um i've heard your name throughout the last probably 10 years a bunch of in bunch in this uh rental space or the uh, vacation rental space um, I can say I know nothing about the nothing about the business other than I've rented a lot of Airbnbs myself, and uh, something I really regret. There was, I mean, there's one property back in uh, 2012 that I bought at the foreclosure auction in South Lano Beach. I think I paid 210,000 oceanfront. Um, probably needed a 50 or 60,000 dollar renovation. I think I wholesaled it for 10 or 15,000 dollars of profit. Looking back, it's probably a six or seven hundred thousand dollar house today, if not more. And I should have kept it as a vacation rental. Um, but did not. But Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kyle. And uh, if, you, if you can take a second, um, a lot of people out here would love to know kind of where you started, what you guys do today, and give me your little 30-second elevator pitch. Sure. My background's technology. I was running an uh, e-commerce division when I started uh, buying property in Florida, second homes. Uh, could not find a property manager to rent it properly. It was uh, back uh, right after 2001. So I created my own website generated a ton of traffic, ton of volume, and uh, eventually started buying a couple more homes and then eventually had people that asked me to start managing their properties. Um, you know, fast forward, we have, uh, we manage 1800 properties, all short term, all exclusive. Uh, we manage in five different states, South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, New Mexico, and Hawaii. We've uh, transformed the company using M&A, merger and acquisition. Um, we're, we're, uh, using debt uh, as opposed to equity so uh, it's still uh, privately held 100 percent. that's awesome which is unique because it seems like the other way most people are kind of constricted because they end up getting in equity positions and uh, get handcuffed where they can't operate the business they want to so that's very good to keep it in the we did the same thing kind of with our portfolios most we're one of the unique people where we own 100 percent of our equity and a lot of people that own a thousand plus units there's always a you know, an equity partner or somebody else that has grip and has handcuffs over them. So that's awesome that you've been able to maintain that. And so 1800 units, I mean, that's, you know, let's talk about your staffing and, and, and how many people it takes to operate that. Cause I know nothing about the space. We have 1100 units that we manage long-term rentals. I think we have 15 people um, on staff to manage 1100. So I know it's a completely different game. We outsource some of our maintenance, some of it's in-house. How does that work for you guys? Well, it's completely different because I think, um, if you think about long-term versus short-term, short-term is continuous amount of turns, right? So uh, our average stay is probably six nights. Um, in Outside of Florida, it's probably four nights. So we have constant marketing, constant churns, constant guests 
check-ins, cleaning, maintenance, et cetera. So it's an extremely intense, completely different from long-term where you know your, a lot of your work is vetting the right uh, guest or tenant to come in and uh, you want a tenant that's gonna be there for, for years, uh, then you've done a great job. With short-term, uh, we want a tenant that is there or a guest for a couple days, has a great experience, refers their friends, uh, but we're constantly in the, um, in the um, mode of continuously bringing in additional uh, guests. Some of our properties will turn 60 times a year, just wow. to give you some idea. So uh, we have 150 employees. Um, the bulk of them are uh, based right here in Ponte Vedra, which is our corporate headquarter. Mm -hmm. How many, what's the, is there a vacancy rate that you guys kind of follow in this, in this sector? Well, it's a little deceptive because it's going to be 50% occupancy, 50% uh, vacancy. Mm -hmm. um, we have certain territories, areas where um, we've got properties that are at closer to 80%. Um, but, you know, like everything, it's somewhat area by area. Mm -hmm. So Florida typically has about a 50% occupancy. It's a state where you can pretty much rent four states. Uh, four quarters a year, although the hurricanes have impacted for sure the fall. Um, certain other areas have less uh, less occupancy, but 50% is the rule of thumb. Gotcha. And what about, is it, you know, I've seen a huge transition. I think, you know, five, 10 years ago, I just thought about it as vacation. And, and today I feel like a lot of people are coming in for the night or coming in for longer periods of term, work related, things like that. Do you guys deal with that or is it mainly just people physically on vacation? Most of our destinations are in vacation areas. Now, you're right, Jacksonville Beach, uh, Ponte Vedra to a lesser extent. We are seeing people coming in, in some cases for corporate housing. Uh, Mayo Clinic would be another one, mm -hmm. healthcare. Um, that's fairly unique to this area. Most of the areas we're in, uh, we tend to have traditional vacation rental types. Um, now, on the south southwest uh, Gulf, we're going to have snowbirds that are coming for a month, two months, three months. Uh, but here in, in Florida, the, the traditional vacationers coming in for a week, bringing their family, and um, uh, in some of the mountain areas, we may have them for just a handful of days. What else are you seeing in the business? Obviously, it's grown. I mean, where did you guys start when you started the company? I mean, how many did you manage? Was it starting at zero, or was it? I started with a book business of about 25 because I was moonlighting doing e-commerce, and I got to a point where I could only manage yep. so much on the side. So I went full time into it and just steadily started growing the business. You know, what's happening with the industry is technology has really taken the industry and, and moved it into, uh, you know, hyper hyperdrive here. So, um, you know, when I first started back in 2006, uh, vacation rentals in general were fairly hard to find, uh, kind of a niche product. There were some sites like VRBO. But for the most part, it was a sleepy category. People really had to search pretty hard to find yeah. vacation rentals. Um, everything really started transforming with the uh, evolution of Airbnb. Um, you know, Airbnb really brought the category uh, to light, created a lot of new uh, inventory, brought a lot of consumer awareness, particularly uh, millennials and Gen Z. And, uh, and then in addition, we've seen capital come in. Um, Expedia bought uh, HomeAway. Yep. Uh, Booking.com, which, you know, is a $100 billion global company, has entered this space aggressively. Um, C-Trip, uh, which is a huge company out of China, has gotten involved in it. Um, Oya, which is a huge company out of India, has gotten involved in it. 
and then even some of the hotel brands like Marriott Acor Hotel have gotten into the category. You know, alternative accommodations is what they're really calling the category now. I'm not sure if that's the best way of calling it, but they've, uh, that's more or less what they're determining the category. And it's really, other than shared transportation, it's probably the fastest growing category of the 21st century. So it's this whole component of that people uh, are indicating that they're going to travel more and more, particularly younger generations value travel over even purchasing. Sure. So material goods are not as important as experiences. And people want to travel. They want to experience the world. They want to experience different areas. And so you need lodging. You need alternative accommodations to provide that. So, uh, you know, all of this has created um, almost a $200 billion industry. And uh, we're on the lodging side uh, it's been pretty amazing to see the amount of capital that's flooded into the industry. Yeah, it's crazy. Is um, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt the amount of money just in any of this real estate st- stuff and space over the last couple of years has just been un- unbelievable. And and I don't see a slowdown there. You know, I mean, there's so many people looking for yields, looking for different opportunities, you know, places, and they'll jump ship wherever they see yield. And you know, vacation rentals is obviously a spot where a lot of people are pouring a lot of money into. How do you guys, for your business, how often do you, do you u- utilize like Airbnb? Is it, do you rent a lot of your stuff through Airbnb or is it sort of a competitor? You know, Airbnb is a, a channel. So we use them. We use um, Expedia, Booking.com, VRBO. We use niche sites. We um, advertise on Google. So from our standpoint, one of the things that's distinguished us from rent by owner types who are just trying to rent on their own is, you know, we're multi-channel. And being on multi-channels is hard unless you have automation, unless you have technology, and you can easily sync things in a way, you know, using API feeds that the calendars update instantly, pricing updates instantly when you make changes on all the channels. Uh, Your database is a core central function where everything runs out. Um, And so we have a pretty significant competitive edge over people that are just trying to do this on their own. Um, and you know, even in case of smaller property managers, typically they're not having that ability to, to manage multiple channels. Uh, but you know, Airbnb is an interesting, um, channel. They're, they're better at urban. Um, they're not really good at core vacation rentals, um, you know, resorts, uh, they're stronger on the West coast. Um, you know, right now they're about 2% of our business, just to give you some idea. People are pretty shocked by that because they think Airbnb is this you know, massive company, and it certainly is, uh, you know, there's some estimates that they're a $60 billion company, even though they're private. Uh, but in terms of the core vacation rental market, uh, they have not been anywhere near as strong as some of the other channels that we're working with right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that's something I've just never really understood and never understood exactly where they come from and, and everything else. Did you, is it something, did you guys build that system and that software or that thing, or is that something that was outsourced? Is that a proprietary thing to you guys or... You yeah, know. I mean, that's or where is it I, just out there and there's no. 50 different like property management. We use we use a property management called uh, property where that manages the single family stuff. You know, they manage it really for long term tenants. There's 10, 15 different competitors that kind of all do the same thing in each different way. But in this space, is that something you guys developed internally or is it kind of leeching onto another software that somebody else built? You know, my background's technology. So what I've done is I've taken hosted systems, tied them together with APIs, and then we have a um, custom-built CRM, um, which essentially handles customer relationship management as well as uh, email contacts. So, um, you know, the devil's in the details how you drive and manipulate APIs. Uh, We've been able to do things that other people who 
you know, use the software just can't understand how to do, which is, you know, uh, dynamic pricing. Mm -hmm. You know, dynamic pricing and being able to manipulate pricing plans to various OTAs and then being able to basically change uh, pricing based on occupancy and yield curbs is really the uh, is really the secret sauce that allows us to really maximize and drive um, revenue. And, you know, what's happening in the vacation rental industry is there's more and more last minute bookings, uh, bookings that are really close mm -hmm. in. And being able to really do yield management, uh, you know, gives you the ability to really drive um, significant occupancy increases. So I would call it accretive. So, you know, we do that well. Uh, we definitely have made an impact in the markets we're in. Uh, it definitely separates us from some of the smaller companies, certainly the rent by owner types who just, you know, they're trying to do this part time. They just don't have the sophistication. I mean, in terms of pricing, um, it's not unusual for us to have dozens and dozens of price variables. Uh, I've looked at rent by owners who are advertising. They may have three different rates throughout the year. Uh, that's just not optimizing pricing. That's not optimizing yield. Um, you know, that is one of the things that we can go in and, and we can really drive and, and outperform even a rent by owner who thinks they're saving money by, you know, managing it on themselves. Well, they're really costing themselves because their occupancy or their yield's not right. Either they're under um, performing in terms of their, their selling, uh, they're renting their property below market or they're uh, over market on certain dates and they're not getting the occupancy they need. Sure. Which is, you know, huge advantage, you know, and knowing and having the data and knowing, you know, when you can rent, when you can make price adjustments, when you can fill, when it makes sense to fill and not fill units. So, I mean, I think that's, that's an amazing thing. And that's something, like you said, that, um, being the small guy, they probably just can't grasp that. They can't come up with it. They don't have enough scale to make those adjustments and, and invest the time and effort and energy and money and everything that it would take to actually use that and make sure it's effective. Where do you guys, where do you guys see yourself going? I mean, well, what's the, is there an end game to this thing? Is it uh, just continuing to grow year after year? Well, there's always an end game. I, sure. I think, uh, you know, at some point I suspect, um, you know, someone will look at us as a, you know, a platform that can roll up the North American market and, and probably be enticed to make us a pretty sizable offer uh, at this stage uh, because it's privately held and, and we don't have any equity players. You know, we basically just continue to move along. I mean, we are constantly in discussion with uh, companies um, for, you know, essentially M&A, and uh, we're working on some pretty large ones uh, right now. I mean, to a certain extent, um, we have a lot of options and, uh, we've built a team. So we're kind of just taking a look at different options, but, you know, we'd like to continue to expand our geographical footprint. I mean, I think the thing, the lesson of the, the hurricanes, uh, through Florida is being geographically diverse is crucial and getting our footprint, uh, farther and farther away from the beaches really helps. So having almost 400 properties in the Gatlinburg, Tennessee, uh, 200 in uh, New Mexico, you know, that's, that's really helped us because, uh, you know, the state of Florida, even South Carolina have really got taken a beating with the hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, here we have properties in the mountains that actually are counter counter cyclical. I mean, in Tennessee, people go to the mountains when the sure. hurricanes come. Yep. Sure. What about what's a, for the people that don't know, what's the charge? What do you guys typically charge a, you know, a first time I've got a property that I want you to manage. How does that look? So the average commission is probably in the state of Florida, 20%. Outside of the state of Florida, it's 30%. Okay. 
Florida is a lower commission state, um, probably because there's so many vacation rentals. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of competition. Um, I think, uh, you know, in, in many cases, you had operators who just were willing to discount commission. So, you know, Florida is a low commission state. Uh, outside of the state of Florida, though, uh, commissions tend to be 30, 35%. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, and then what about, you know, there's obviously tons of changes in the industry. There's certain, you know, a lot of city conflicts and people wanting to, you know, I know Jack's Beach, there's always, you know, people battling and the locals battling that, you know, there's vacation rentals, you know, the streets are turning into vacation rentals. Um, how actively are you, you know, involved in that stuff? Um, on the local stance, and there's probably nationally, I'm sure there's, you know, a ton of talk and everything about that. So I've been uh, involved in uh, advocacy uh, government relations since 2006, uh, almost since inception by force uh, of the city. So the first place I owned property was the city of Venice. They decided to try to zone out vacation rentals. Uh, they went. They wanted to take them from going nightly to uh, monthly on, only. I, I was forced to hire an attorney. Uh, fortunately, we had a group of 20 property owners that united. We couldn't find other management companies at that time that wanted to participate. They were too scared of I guess retribution. Uh, we successfully won. We won a settlement with the city of Venice, and uh, we were able to get our properties grandfathered in. Uh, since that time, we've started to see all kinds of um, governments attempting to manipulate um, short-term rentals. The the thing in 2009, they tried to, to make it that fire sprinklers had to be in all short-term rentals, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to hire a lobbyist. Um, so I ended up working, uh, becoming on the board of directors of Florida Vacation Rental Managers. So there is an association, a very powerful association in the state of Florida called Florida Vacation Rental Manager Association. And I was on the board of directors for three years, hired a lobbyist, got the fire sprinkler um, issue resolved through state law. And then we hired the lobbyist for the second year and said, can we go in and codify into state law a protection bill to protect the rights of of people who live outside of the state, i.e. many people who own a short-term rental. And that passed in 2011. So we got a, a state preemption bill that passed in 2011. And that bill is still on the books, although it's been somewhat amended um, in 2014. But uh, you know, the state of Florida um, makes it so that uh, counties and cities cannot prohibit short-term rentals, nor can they uh, uh, prohibit duration or frequency. So, um, you know, these are major victories. Now, since that time, there's been counties and cities that have attempted to regulate um, in other areas, um, occupancy, parking, noise, et cetera. Uh, we've had to, uh, in some cases like Flagler County, again, litigate, file uh, Burt Harris claims. Uh, we filed a $27 million Burt Harris claim against the city, of, I mean, the county of Flagler County based on a property rights taking component where they were essentially arbitrarily setting an occupancy limit of 10. And we had houses that, you know, in some cases were 11 bedrooms. So that made uh, zero sense. And that was a property taking. That was, so uh, the, uh, Flagler County settled that. Uh, right now we have four different uh, uh, different issues going on right in this, uh, this area. You've got St. John's County, who's looked at rental uh, restrictions. You have the city of St. Augustine, the city of Jacksonville Beach, and then essentially Duval County, uh, the unincorporated component. Um, what's really happened since 2014 
is uh, in part due to the state chapter and then I've been heavily involved in the national chapter. Uh, I served on the board of the Vacation Rental Manager Association. I'm now chair of the advocacy committee. We've been raising a ton of money and we've also been gathering allies. And the most important ally we have right now is uh, the National Association of Realtors. Mm -hmm. And uh, back in you know, 2011, 2012, we were fighting this on our own. Now we have uh, the realtors, the realtors have been fantastic allies. Uh, and now we're starting to work on the hotel industry um, because in part they're starting to get into vacation rentals and uh, it's not in their best interest to zone vacation rentals out when they are in the accommodation business. So part of this is education, part of this is advocacy, part of this is lobbying, and part of this is, uh, in some cases, court cases. We've also worked uh, very closely with the Goldwater uh, Institute. So this was something that Barry Goldwater left behind as a legacy. He was a uh, uh, property rights, uh, very conservative uh, senator out of the um, state of Arizona who ran for president in 64, uh, uh, but was really into per personal property rights. And so the whole issue is protecting people's personal property rights from being zoned out. And uh, we've been fortunate that we've gotten uh, support now from uh, Airbnb, uh, Expedia, and Booking.com, each of who have lobbyists and support staff. And the component, you know, I mean, the, the strategy is to organize and bring everybody together uh, in part to really educate um, our state and city and uh, county officials and in part to show that we're, we're a force and we're not going to back down if they pass something that is unreasonable. We're going to, you know, file court suits. We're going to file Burt Harris claims. So, you know, our goal and, and my goal has certainly been let's do reasonable regulations. We all can agree that we want to eliminate bad apples. Uh, we're all in the same boat about noise and trash and parking. Uh, you know, everyone should be concerned about those issues. But we don't want to be singled out. We don't want this to be um, sole enforcement. Uh, we don't want the regulations to be so draconian that they're, attempt, they're essentially attempting to zone out vacation rentals, which, of course, is prohibited by state law. And we've battled these counties, we've battled these cities, and we've battled um, certain municipalities, and we've won, and we're getting stronger every year. And uh, again, we're not being unreasonable, but we do want to protect pr people's property rights, particularly the people that do not live here and that do not vote. Sure. What about, so is Neptune and Atlantic Beach, I've heard that no vacation rentals? Explain that and explain what you just said, that they can't do it, but they did. So those, um, you know, the, the thing that got uh, put together in 2011, which was a historic property rights bill, was actually the first vacation rental um, bill in the entire, uh, in, in all of the United States was Florida. So 2011, since that time, Arizona's passed one and a couple other states have passed vacation rental bills that support and protect uh, vacation rentals. But 2011 was the first bill, which, um, you know, is heavily involved in with um, Florida F, uh, vacation rental manager and the lobbyist that we hired, Lori Killinger. And uh, in order to get it through, we had to make a compromise. And the compromise was that anything that was on the books prior to 2011 was grandfathered in. Gotcha. So Neptune Beach and Atlantic Beach, they had laws on the book. And if they predated the 2011 law, uh, they were grandfathered in, and that was the only way we were going to get that bill passed. Wow. Okay, that makes sense. So, there, is there any? Do you see that ever being a future option, or they're going to be so strict and hard down there that you just don't see it? I, I think you know. Again, I'm probably the one that's reasonable, and I'm not sure it's reasonable to go back and open up um, laws that have been settled. Sure. So, you know, if people 
um, have laws in you know Miami Beach or Fort Lauderdale or certain areas pre 2011. Let it let it let live. It uh, I'm more concerned with people who have made economic um, based um, investments, and all of a sudden their rights are taken away. Definitely. So that's where I'm more on the side. Is look. If, if you knew what they, the rules were when you bought the property, then that's on you. If the rules change, then we're going to protect you. So, you know, we're much more interested in protecting folks in the panhandle who have made a tremendous amount of investment in the panhandle. And, and really, vacation rentals are, other than the military, the lifeblood of, of uh, you know, the panhandle. And now you've got certain areas that are considering, um, you know, pretty strict bans. Gulf Shore, Alabama passed a very strict ban. Um, so, you know, those are what we're really uh, looking to make sure uh, we do everything possible to, to stop and we get people, uh, you know, government uh, officials to the table and we, and we come up with reasonable, um, reasonable resolutions and reason, reasonable ordinances that protect the public, but also protect the investment that people have made, uh, their personal property rights. Yeah, definitely. No, we see it. We've dealt with the same stuff a lot of times with you know, splitting off lots and you'll have lots of record where, you know, it was zoned, it was originally a lot of record and you'll have fight back from the city on, well, you can't tear that house down and build two houses, even though it's originally two lots of record. And it's kind of a similar thing is, you know, that seller, when he bought two lots, he bought two lots with the intention of it doesn't really matter. He can build what he wants within the zoning of those two lots. And it's sort of the same, sort of the same thing here is, is yeah, let's not go back on what it is, but let's make sure we protect the rights of the people that made the investment. If you bought a property and Bellano Beach as a vacation rental, then you should be able to keep it as a vacation rental and not have somebody else tell you what you can and cannot do. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. What else? Is there anything else you want to touch on um, on the vacation rental side? You know, anything anything out there, anything new in the industry right now? Any, any big changes that you see coming up outside of the obvious, you know, political stuff and everything else that's out there? Well, I mean, the major things that are happening are really on um – you know, the portal side, so uh, the demand side, Google's uh, announced that they're getting into the vacation rental industry um, on uh, MetaSearch, and that's a big deal. So Google Travel, Google Air, Google Hotel, uh, these are components that Google has made a massive uh, capital investment in developing out, and now they're heading into vacation rentals. And that just shows you, you know, a company like Google is maybe the smartest company in the world right now shows you how big they think this category will be. So you're going to be seeing Google making a huge uh, impact right now. It's, it's happening mostly in Europe and Asia, but it'll be heading into North America. Uh, I would not su be surprised to see Amazon enter the space one way or another. Um, you know, the big advancement over the next couple of years will be with um, smart home technology. So smart home mm -hmm. technology is essentially you put controllers into these homes, the controllers, at least right now, are, are tied uh, wirelessly to um, the locks, yeah. and they prevent, uh, you know, they provide access control, right? So they allow uh, remote um, keyless entrance, and you can send your um, housekeeper, your service technicians, et cetera. You can track when the guest comes, when they leave. You can make sure that, uh, you know, on, they're only allowed in during certain times, you know, when, when their uh, contract is good. But the other thing about the controller is the controller is a mini computer and you can start to leverage that controller to do other things. So energy efficiency is one of the components, um, doors being open, windows being open, mm -hmm. alarms, you know, that will let people know after a certain period of time to close the windows or the doors, um, you know, um, sensors on hot tubs and pools to make sure that after a certain period of time, the heat um, is turned off. 
these are all things that can control energy savings. So, you know, that's exciting. But the other big thing is I think you're going to see um, the leveraging of, of that controller into a more enhanced guest experience, almost like a concierge experience where guests are greeted by um, a voice butler. They can um, get experiences, groceries, uh, you know, those type of things right to their uh, condo or house. Um, in, in many cases, even before they arrive, um, they can ask about restaurant recommendations. They can ask about attractions, experiences, things like that. Uh, we know for sure Amazon's looking closely at the category, uh, Apple as well. So uh, we think, uh, you know, we're still at the very, very early stages of this uh, industry. The other thing that's, um, that's happening, and we talked a little bit about it, is um, it's not just money from North America. We're starting to see this category uh, truly be a global category. So C-Trip is a $25 billion company that many Americans have never heard of. It's massive in China. Um, and, uh, and Oya is a company out of India that just received a billion dollars of funding from SoftBank. They've probably got a market cap of seven, eight billion dollars. They've come out of nowhere. They just bought a um, major vacation rental division out of Europe for $450 million. Airbnb just bought a vacation rental company about um, a year ago called Luxury Retreat. So we're starting to see uh, very, very big money, um, some of it within North America, Airbnb, but also outside uh, India and China. And uh, we think uh, we're still at the very, very early stages of the vacation rental category because I think, um, you know, as I said, this is really one of the two categories, including shared transportation, that's going to transfer, transform the 21st century. Sure. No, and that's, I mean, for anyone that attended Connect, one of our meetups, I think two or three months ago, the shared transportation was one of the main topics we had. And, and some of the ideas and things we heard about were just, you know, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much money's in that space right now and how much changes and different things and the idea of you know the guy who kind of did the discussions like your, your daughter's never going to drive a car and I, just, I have a one-year-old daughter and he's like completely convinced she'll never have a driver's license because there'll be no reason for her to have a driver's license um, which is crazy to think about but you know when you start reading the uh, articles and the amount of money in that space and all the stuff that's going on you I mean it's not a joke there you know there's billions and billions of dollars getting put into that infrastructure and technology that will transform how we how we transfer and how we go around so when I see it in the, in the same stuff here, what about my last question is going to be, what about for like the mom and pop investors, somebody that wants to buy their first thing to enter this space? Is it the right time to do that? Is it, you know, is there obviously prices are higher? Um, you know, is it the right time for somebody to go out and buy their first vacation rental house? Are you seeing a lot of one off people? Or are you seeing a lot of guys, you know, bigger, bigger hedge fund type or, or you know, private equity funds, you know, buying a bunch of them? In the urban area, you know, interestingly, we didn't really touch upon urban. So the mm -hmm. urban area is very different than the, um, I'd call it the resort area. So in urban, we've seen huge uh, institutional money flow into urban. Uh, these, this concept essentially of multi-purpose building, uh, it's pretty easy to figure it out where, you know, for a period of time it could be short term and then it could be transferred back to long term. So you've got, um, you know, large REITs uh, backed by Blackstone, Gold Star, et cetera who are funding uh, the development of these buildings um, in areas even like Jacksonville, um, Seattle, all over the um, mm -hmm. East Coast and West Coast of, of urban areas. And uh, there's big companies that have come into the market that manage those properties, Saunders, Stay Alfred, Lyris, and they've received, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars of funding. Um, in the traditional vacation rental market, you know, mountains and beaches, we have not seen uh, that type of funding. So it's been more or less 
individual owners, maybe a handful of partners coming in and forming an LLC um, and starting to buy. And most of the markets are, you know, it, it's market by market, right? So I, I certainly think certain markets probably in terms of where appreciation can go are probably close to their peak. Other markets, I think, still have potential. Um, to me, I've always looked at income, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been less about trying to project projection and more about, hey, how stable is the income? Uh, you know, what do I need to continue to, to increase uh, my occupants and my yield? Certain markets have been, you know, fantastic. So, you know, we, we manage properties in Hawaii. They have, in some cases, 70, 80% occupancy. Gatlinburg is amazing as well. That's Tennessee. That's mm -hmm. Pigeon Forge. Uh, we've seen um, across the board 60, 65% occupancy because that's almost a, um, you know, four-quarter market. So, um, and we certainly have seen, uh, you know, groups of people who have become multi-buyers. So as they start to see the income flowing in and they get comfortable that they're meeting all their uh, expense and cash flow obligations, they're uh, buying two or three properties. So we're seeing that, you know, the only difference is unlike the last uh, boom, this is about cash flow as opposed to appreciation. Sure. They're, they're, they're much more diligent about making sure uh, the cash flow is there to support themselves, which, you know, is a good sign means, you know, we're going to stay away from some of the problems that happened with the uh, last housing bubble burst. No, definitely. Well, this has been great. And this is, you're obviously, a, you know, crazy wealth of knowledge in this space. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's wrap this thing up. Guys, uh, Steve Milo is going to be at Connect uh, July 11th for our, we have a panel um, to talk about vacation rentals. You're obviously like crazy qualified in this space. Um, and it's something that I think everyone who's interested in learning more about it, um, please come. You'll have your chance to, you know, ask Steve any questions, you know, and he's, he's been open to ask any or answer anything so far. And I'm sure he will uh, connect. And I appreciate you coming on and looking forward to hopefully doing some business in the future. Thank you, Kyle. So it's been great. Thanks, Steve. Have a good one, guys.